Welcome to Political Beatdown. I am Ben Micellis, joined by the one and only Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen is here. He was recently deposed in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case against Donald Trump. Guess who's not here? Donald Trump. Donald Trump was in Scotland. Now he's in Ireland. He was telling the press there that he's got to leave early because he claims he's going to return to the United States because he wants to confront E. Jean Carroll. That's what he told the press in Ireland. And then asked ben, about- ben, you know what, you know what he sho- Ben, you know what he's shoveling over there? He's shoveling bullshit. That's what he's shoveling, right? <laughs> bullshit <laughs> after bullshit. And, and Takapina was asked, like, hey, so Trump's coming back to testify? Takapina's, even Takapina's kind of lost it. You know, Takapina's just like, I, I have no clue what the guy is talking about. And this also comes after Donald Trump lost another lawsuit. You know, he likes to talk about $500 million lawsuit, $100 million lawsuit. This is a defamation case that he filed a year or so ago against the New York Times, maybe even a little bit longer ago, for defamation in, in connection with a story that they wrote about his tax fraud. And he said, what a great case, what a strong case he had. Not only did he lose, but the court awarded attorney's fees to the New York Times. And Cohen, you have a, a case of your own. He's he sued New York Times for a hundred million dollars and lost. And he, yes, and I have. Sued. I too have a case. Uh, Five hundred million dollars. He's suing me for. You know, it's interesting because first he lost uh, a case that now he and Alina Haba, it's really Donald, has to pay a million dollars uh, as sort of a restitution to the court for malicious prosecution and so on. Um, you know, now he has to pay legal fees to the New York Times. You know, there was some bad reporting once again. You know, they also claimed that not only was this case dismissed, but the case that uh, involved Mary Trump, Donald's niece, was also dismissed. And from some of the other reportings that I read, that's just absolutely not accurate. You know, there's just, this is the problem. You know, I, I understand that people make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. Lord knows I know that. All right. Except they're not supposed to make mistakes when you're a newspaper because people rely upon that information for accuracy. And how it ended up getting all the way through edit to, you know, to review and check and so on without this, you know, you know, being caught and flagged. I really don't know the answer, but I will tell you and I will share with my, you know, political beatdown brigaders, Monday is when our papers are due to be filed in uh, the Southern District of Miami, Florida. All right. So those papers go in on Monday and then there is a conference, uh, a document conference that will uh, come the week after that. So Monday, you'll start to see the very first set of papers by my counsel, Donya Perry and Ben uh, Brodsky. Uh, you'll start to see papers, uh, you know, filed, and we'll be talking about them as well. So that paperwork relates to the five hundred million dollar lawsuit that Donald Trump sued in federal court in the Southern District of Florida in the Miami division. Uh, he made a bunch of very frivolous claims. Nonetheless, it's 
still a $500 million lawsuit, as we discussed here, that needs to be taken very, very seriously. Um, I've stated here my own personal view that I thought Donald Trump was judge shopping or forum shopping didn't necessarily go the way he wanted it to go, but he did not want the case to be in the Southern District of Florida before Judge Middlebrooks, who had just sanctioned him the million dollars. So Donald Trump, who accuses everybody else of judge shopping, thought that he was going to get a very Trump-friendly judge, is what I suppose his thinking was, by filing it in the Miami division and not the West Palm Beach County division. Um, can you give any hints? Let me ask you this about in terms of the motion. Um, are you going to be filing something substantive or is it just going to be like an appearance or is it going to be some sort no, no, of no. substantive? It, it, appearances have already been made. That's already been filed. This is going to be substantive. And, you know, I don't want to get ahead of, you know, myself. I certainly don't want to get ahead of Danya and Ben. Um, so and we're going to, well, let's sort of try to table that a little bit other than to say it's going to be substantive and uh, it'll be very telling. Let me put it to you that way. Uh, you know, Donald has to be held accountable for all of this, you know, frivolity in terms of how he uses the court. You know, I'll give you an example. I am going to trial against Trump and the Trump organization for legal fees that, I expended on his behalf. And that case was originally filed in 2019. Could you imagine 2019? So four years later, and we're finally getting to trial. And there is no escaping it, very much like Judge uh, Angoron. You know, it's set in stone. And, you know, this case is unusual because they've already conceded liability. This is merely a, um, trial for damages. So the question is not whether or not I win in this case, it's rather how much. Uh, and, you know, this is money that, you know, again, was expended at his direction and on his behalf. So, you know, stay tuned for that also. But this $500 million lawsuit, you know, this cannot be taken lightly, despite all of the statements that you hear on a regular basis from counsel, you know, who decide that they wish to opine. And it makes no difference whether they're on Fox, uh, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS. It makes no difference. They all say the same thing, that this case is just frivolous and uh, it lacks merit. So, you know, the question is, you know, you still have to defend it. That's the problem. And defending these actions uh, are not, it's just not cheap. And he knows that. You see, Donald used or is using this $500 million lawsuit against me as more than just a lawsuit against me for this you know, uh, alleged, uh, you know, for all these allegations. I don't even want to go into them. They're that stupid. What he's doing is he's basically witness tampering and obstructing justice. If you are a potential witness, why in the world would you want to have to defend a $500 million lawsuit against Donald Trump and go through the expense of defending it, which you have to do? You can't ignore it. You ignore it. They get a default judgment against you. That's exactly what they're hoping would happen. So people who would necessarily come forward and testify 
you know, are now turning around and saying, you know, I really don't want to be involved in this, you know, and so, you know, they change, you know, they change their tune. And again, it's all about trying to hold Donald Trump accountable for what he has done, not what people want him to be held accountable for, but what he is accountable for and what, you know, the court will ultimately determine. So it's shouldn't be based upon your like or dislike for Donald. It should be based upon the facts and, you know, facts presented in a court of law, not a court of public opinion. Anything else going on, Cohen, with your other cases? Um, uh, any other depositions on the horizon and, and anything else we should be looking forward to? No, not yet. I mean, I prefer it this way. You know, it, it's, you know, I spent seven hours. There were 11 attorneys. It was my attorney, Jeffrey K. Levine. There were three from government. And then there were seven from, uh, you know, the various different Trump uh, and, you know, Trump entities, Trump, as well as um, other individuals who were named in that New York State Attorney General case. So I'm happy right now I don't have anything. I just have a lot of litigation that's still pending. Uh, as it stands right now, we're still uh, waiting for government to deal with um, Donald in the District Attorney of New York case. You may have seen the recent uh, articles that were put out there where Alvin Bragg went to the judge, I should say the DA's office, went to the judge in order to prohibit Trump from releasing documents that he will obtain as a direct result of discovery, which he is entitled to, um, to prevent them from releasing it to the public, uh, you know, through his, you know, social media platforms. We'll wait to see technically what happens with that one. That's a really tricky uh, matter because, you know, he's claiming, and rightfully so, it's his First Amendment right. If he wants to put that stuff out there, I don't know why he would want to. I don't think it benefits him no more than I think that my testifying before, uh, you know, Trump's counsel before for that New York State Attorney General case uh, provided any benefit to him. But look, you know, he seems to have a cascade of incompetent counsel directing him every step of the way. So, you know, maybe it'll just help to make the cases move quicker. We also learned this week that Matthew Calamari Sr. and Matthew Calamari Jr., his son, um, they're, they're speaking before the grand jury in Washington, D.C. in connection with uh, special counsel Jack Smith's ongoing criminal investigation into Donald Trump and specifically whether surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago was tampered with. How big is this, Cohen? And can you explain for our viewers and listeners who the Calamaris are, your dealings with them, and how you think their testimony before the grand jury in D.C. is going to be? And so Matt is an interesting character at the Trump Organization, very much like most people, you know, that work there. He's a very interesting guy uh, insofar as he started out as uh, Trump's driver uh, and bodyguard. Uh, some, you know, and he's managed over the course of, what, four decades now? He's there almost as long as Alan Weisselberg, shy by a couple of years, but he managed to move up to the uh, highly esteemed position of chief operating officer. 
Now, his son, Matty, uh, good kid, you know, good kid, smart, smart kid, decided not so intelligently to come work at the Trump organization. And Matt put him in charge of, believe it or not, technology, security, uh, cameras, updating systems, helping with, you know, operations as well. Matty basically controls all the cameras in all of the Trump facilities that are all uploaded to a single, you know, server or sets of servers that he has the capability of monitoring and, of course, you know, extrapolating the information that is wanted. What I understand is not that the tapes have been manipulated. This isn't like, you know, Ocean's Eleven or something where they have a clip and they put it onto a wire and then it runs a, a loop where nobody is there and so on. That's not what I believe that they're looking for. What I believe that they're looking for is answers as to why it took so long in order to obtain the information that they have been seeking. And this information is extremely important. You know, many people may turn around and say, come on, what kind of bullshit? You know, who cares? You know, they got the tapes. It doesn't really matter. Well, sure, it matters. Not only does that specific um, request, but it must be a lengthy time period in front of that door. They want to see who went in, who went out, whether or not boxes were removed or documents were removed or anybody unauthorized managed to get into that facility, the storage facility, right? And, you know, either copied or took top secret U.S. documents. So, yeah, it's really important. And the fact that, you know, this was not provided to government immediately, I believe, is the reason why they are calling the two calamaris, you know, to, um, you know, to speak before the special counsel. Now, another thing that I could um, probably tell you with relative certainty that that, that conversation that they will be having with the special counsel's team, to be very honest with you, is not just going to be centric to the videotapes and to the security system and so on. Rest assured, it will definitively, definitively encompass other aspects of the Trump organization because Matt was basically doing the same thing that Alan Weisselberg was doing and that he was charged with. You know, he had an apartment that was, you know, where, you know, um, here in the city, he had an apartment. Uh, so did Maddie. And then they also were given vehicles. And I'm, I've never seen their tax returns. So I'm basically speculating that, you know, they didn't report it either as income or so on. Um, I don't know about any payments for education or anything like that, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm pretty sure that the special counsel has more questions to ask than just merely about the video, uh, the videotaping machine and security. You know, so there we talk about calamaris. We talked earlier in the week about Dan Scavino. So Dan Scavino worked as Trump's caddy and then basically became the deputy chief of staff. You have no, the column went, no, after becoming candidate, he, he became, let's not forget his resume, his CV, impressive CV that it is. He became the general manager of Trump National Briarcliff Manor, which is in Westchester. 
And then he rose up <laughs> and then he rose up to become the basically the deputy chief of staff and was social media director. You have the Calamari's Trump's drivers who rose to the level of COO. Um, and now they're all testifying before uh, the grand jury and special counsel Jack's special counsel Jack Smith. I mean, he only hires the best people, right, Cohen? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it easy there. I was there for 10 years also. <laughs> you know? and then, you know, next year, you're going to have Jack Smith. And I heard this once by a comic. You know, He's going to be <laughs> – you're going to see Jack Smith very soon subpoenaing Big Petey, Little Petey, Medium Petey, Reed Petey, Ortho Petey, Petey Petey, Joe Bag of Donuts, Muscles Marinara, Squidly Dillon, <laughs> John. All right. At the end of the day, that's who he's coming. That's who he's coming to speak to. And what do you think he's going to end up with? Who knows? Because at the look, at the end of the day, if you think about it, there have been so many people testifying before this January 6th committee. They have like a thousand people have testified at this point or have given testimony. You have millions of documents that have been given. You know, there comes a point in time, my, you know, and my God, my mom always says to me, you know, it's time for them to shit and get off the pot. It's enough already. You know, it's, it's truly enough. You know, how much more do you need? You have emails, you have text messages going in and out of the White House. You now have four members of the Oath Keepers today that they were, they were charged and sentenced, right, to seditious conspiracy. You know how significant that is? You have any idea? This isn't, this isn't like a charge that anybody thought was going to be possible. I mean, you have to attempt to overthrow the government and you have to try and coordinate it, coordinate the overthrow with other people. And they did it. And they did it. They were successful. These four, I don't even know what the guidelines are for seditious conspiracy. What is it? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? I mean, who the hell knows? Are you going to, you know, some supermax because it's seditious conspiracy? I mean, I'm waiting to see, you know, what all the information is, where these folks are going to go, what the length that they're going to be given. I mean, look, it is serious. I mean, this whole January 6th is really serious, but holy crap, nobody thought that they were going to be, I mean, think about how many pundits on television got this shit wrong. Oh, come on. It has never been applied. It doesn't really, you know, it didn't really mean it for this. And at the end, no, no. Today, four of them, and there will be more. So, yeah, you had the Oath Keepers, uh, two Oath Keeper trials where they were guilty of seditious conspiracy. Now you have the Proud Boys guilty of seditious conspiracy. You go into the U.S. Code, 18 U.S.C., Section 2384, which talks about seditious conspiracy. Cohen, it is a 20-year charge uh, for seditious conspiracy, up to 20 years. By the way, I think it should be more. I don't know why it's only 20 years. If you try to overthrow the government, you know, there are some white collar crimes when you add up the various counts where people serve, you know, you know, multiples of that sentence. But it's 20 years and you had four of the Proud Boys today being found guilty of seditious conspiracy. All five of the Proud Boys 
Um, Pozzola was not guilty. Well, there was a deadlock on Pozzola. Nordian, Biggs, Rel, Tario were all found guilty, but all five were found guilty of obstruction and other charges that will put them all together for, it put them away for about 20 years. So all of them guilty on lots of the other charges. On the seditious conspiracy, you had four um, who were found guilty of seditious conspiracy. But to your point, the Department of Justice has now done three trial the oath keepers one oath keepers two i think they did a third oath keepers that they're doing a proud boys trial seditious conspiracy okay, and now they're working okay. the way and, up to and donald trump yes and yes they're doing ben, what they're supposed to do here's the problem though the real problem is that these are low-level assholes yes i get it enrique tario the head of the oath keep by the way you know speaking of it today right may the fourth be with you right i mean you know these guys really thought they were going to get away with it no right yoda donald right he you know he wasn't able to you know turn around and use his you know mind melding trick over here in order to you know to change the decision right which he thinks that he's able to he could do whatever he wants just by thinking it well it doesn't really work that way but what bothers me the most the most so far everyone who has been charged and these are significant charges i'm you know you've already stated that with pretty good clarity these are significant charges carrying up to 20 years or possibly more i'm not so sure it's 20 years uh, only but 20 years and at the end of the day, what you know? What what about all of the the big shots? What about the members of Congress that assisted? What about some of the you know some of the folks like Eric and Lara Trump that ended up seizing the ellipse, what was supposed to be you know a rally, and then they turned it into a march? You know you know they violated a whole slew of things. What about Rudy Colludi, drunken Giuliani with his bullshit, or Josh Hawley, you know, pushing people to, you know, to go to the Capitol along with Donald. I mean, there's a lot of people here, government-wise, you know, you know, players, real players, not these morons that were following the biggest liar-in-chief that's out there. Instead, it's only the little guy that gets fucked. I mean, like, like me. For God's sakes, where are the where are the ones who are really responsible for it? How is Donald already not indicted on this charge? I mean, yeah, oh, we should all be happy. They got Enrique Terrio. Fuck him. Who cares about him, right? Okay, he broke the law. He should be held accountable. But it's not just the little guys that are supposed to be held accountable. In fact, it should be the big guys too. And that's just, you know, it's just not happening. And or it's not happening fast enough. It's a great point, because if you have Enrique Tario and these Proud Boys guilty of seditious conspiracy, why not Jared Kushner? Why not Ivanka? Why not Rudy Giuliani? And of course, why not Donald Trump? They were the ones who coordinated and planned this. Heck, the defense by the Proud Boys was Trump made us do it. That's what Enrique Tario not argued. Only, ben, not only, Ben, not only are they not charged yet, right? They're, they go to work every single day where we're paying them. These are fucking traitors. They are traitors to the Constitution. They are traitors to the, you know, to the, to the Capitol. I mean, these are the same people. I don't care that they weren't on the outside, that they were on the inside. These are the same people that 
caused this entire ruckus where they wanted to hang Mike Pence and kill Nancy Pelosi. They're responsible, as far as I'm concerned, for all of the damage that took place inside the people's house. They're responsible for all of this. And yet these are the same assholes that are voting on uh, on bills and that are legislating on behalf of the people that they were traitorous to. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, speaking of that, I mean, there's corruption. It seems at all layers of this modern day Republican Party. Do you see the story today, too, about Clarence Thomas? Like it, it just gets deeper and deeper. So he sent his grandnephew to a private school. And it turns out that that billionaire Harlan Crow paid for the tuition. It was never disclosed. It could have been up to $150,000 worth of private school tuition. And look, while I think it is laudable that you have a situation where Clarence Thomas brought in, you know, his grandnephew who was going through difficult circumstances to make sure that his grandnephew got a great education. Uh, granted, that, that that's a laudable thing to do. What isn't is, by the way, Clarence Thomas is making like a million dollars a year between him and his wife and the books. He makes like a million bucks on his disclosure. So he has the money to pay for it himself. What's not laudable, and in my view, what's criminal is taking the money from a billionaire to pay for it and not disclosing it. And the Republicans just seem totally fine with that. You've yeah, got because yeah, because you know he's uh, he's pro Republican on them. So whatever he does, let me be very clear about this. If this was any other judge outside of Clarence Thomas being on the Supreme Court, they would have their hands in handcuffs behind their back, and they would be marched right in front of a judge immediately. What this is, this is absolutely 100% bribery. As far as I'm concerned with Harlan, uh, you know, uh, there's no, there's no question in my mind because he is a he's like a religious zealot and there are things that he wants and or that he wanted and on top of that i believe that he even had certain matters uh before the supreme court so look it's whatever it is it's it's the problem is that there is no code of ethics for the supreme court i don't understand this you know congress members have codes of ethics. They don't fucking follow it, but they have it. The president and the vice president, the the members of the cabinet all have codes of ethics. In fact, Norm Eisen, who's going to be on my podcast, you know, was the ethics czar um, appointed by Obama. Now, interestingly enough, he has actually helped out and represented Republicans and Democrats in their transition so that they understand and that they don't violate the code of ethics. The Supreme Court just doesn't have one. And the funny thing is that they don't even want to have a code of ethics. This makes no sense to me at all. And they say, look, we're handling it perfectly. John Roberts says, we have a general guidance of ethics that we follow. We're doing nothing wrong here. You know, and then they say, look, this is just hospitality. Well, what's wrong? It's just us going on vacations with people. And most Americans look at that and go, Wow. If that is how the Supreme Court views this issue, how do they have credibility on anything? It's just consistent and constant gaslighting going over and over Listen, again. Yeah, look, it's all about the word of the day is accountability. We all want to see Donald Trump held accountable 
for his dirty deeds. We want to see Bill Barr held accountable for his dirty deeds, the way he weaponized on behalf of Donald, the Department of Justice. I don't know why nobody has, you know, uh, you know, brought him before a committee yet. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand that one, especially after all the information that we have. We want to see all of these folks not, not found guilty because we don't like them or because they're Republicans, we're Democrats or, you know, whatever. We want accountability, and we're not getting accountability from anyone on this Republican side, and that includes the Supreme Court of the United States of America. You know, for how many years did we all turn around and say they are basically above reproach? They are the, you know, they are the the superior nine that they sit on this court, uh, on this highest court in the land, that they have the jobs for life. Um, simply so that nobody can ever uh, effectuate a decision that you know benefits them by giving them anything, not, nothing like that. We always put them at the highest level uh, and the highest esteem. Well, not anymore. In fact, under Justice Roberts right now, it is the lowest approval rating for the Supreme Court. And one of the things that I keep saying, whether it's television, to the press on here, the political beatdown, my mea culpa podcast, wherever anybody wants to listen, the thing I keep saying is, what is Joe Biden doing? As far as I'm concerned, you have to be a little Trumpian on this one. Put four more Supreme Court justices immediately onto the court, right? Change the balance of power. Because you, nobody says, there's nothing in the Constitution that says there could only be nine. Well, let's make it 13. Add four more and, you know, put four more decent people. I'm not saying Democrats. Put, as far as I'm concerned, two and two. But don't put as religious zealots, which is what Donald Trump put in, you know, because that's what he was told to put in. This is horrible. Did you and and this is the tweet that the House Judiciary GOP just put out. We'll put it up here. Um, they wrote, "Retweet this if you think Justice Thomas is and it's a goat emoji, which stands for greatest of all time." So the House Judiciary GOP, after this story broke, that yet another payment made by Harlan Crow this time to pay the private school tuition of Justice Clarence Thomas's grandnephew. The House Judiciary GOP just sticks their middle finger right at the American people and says, goat, RT, if you think Justice Thomas is the goat. Well, we, well, we put out on Midas Touch, our response to that was it, it's all a big joke to them. It's yeah. the most corrupt and anti-American party in the history of the United States. And just like amateurish and clownish, Cohen, like the goat, like what are you freaking talking about? Who, who knows? But, you know, one of our one of our um, brigaders, Joe Martinez, actually said it right he, in, in the comments. He said it absolutely right. He turned around and he said, what we need to do is vote blue. And I've been saying that all along since the first day we started this podcast. You got to vote blue. These folks have to get removed. And you know what? Congress could actually do something if there was the desire to be, you know, bipartisan, if there was the desire for one side to work with the other. You know, nobody wants to work with the other side right now. Look at what's going on, for example, with our debt ceiling. You know, there is a real possibility, my friends, that the Republicans are going to force this country into the very first, you know, uh, you know, debt um, 
scenario that this country has ever had without even caring. They don't care what the ramifications are. They are going to, they're, they're not going to, or they're going to continue to threaten not to raise the debt ceiling. Every day that this goes on damages the, you know, the, the stock market, it damages people's jobs and so on. You know, this is not only going to remove 8 million jobs from the market. On top of that, Look, remember in 2011, when we, you know, the very first one that came around, we went from a triple A rating in the, by the, in, by the world to double A, uh, you know, double A plus plus. All right. It's a big difference because that means it costs us more money on our dollar paying interest to, you know, foreign, you know, entities that are buying up, you know, our debt. This is not, this is not a joke. And the very first thing that's going to end up getting cut going to be government jobs, right? Those people who work for government, including postal workers, includes, you know, um, you know, Congress members, which I couldn't be more happy about. Uh, you know, it's all government workers, but it also um, affects Social Security and Medicare. So they're affecting the people because that's all, all of that's like 63% of the budget is already written in stone. And that's just that's just how it is. This is going to affect the old, the the elder. It's going to affect those that need Medicare, those that are on Social Security. And so I don't understand what the Republicans are doing. So when Joe turned around and said, vote blue, amen, brother, right? That's what you need to do. These assholes that don't care about America. They only care about, you know, playing to their base and their, you know, raising more money from these, you know, these fools that think it's a smart move, you know, to allow the country to go into default on our debt ceiling. This is absolutely nuts. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, if it wasn't for the Biden administration accounting, fooling around and moving money internally that was that was there maybe earmarked for something else may 4th today would have been the day that we would have gone into default instead now um what should we call it uh yellen believes that it'll be by no later than june 1st i don't like that no later i don't like it at all you know you look at a recent poll of what the MAGA Republican base, what their big issues are, what they care about. 85% say like their biggest uh, issue is challenging woke ideas. 66% opposing any gun restrictions. 61% say Trump won in 2020. 57% of likely GOP primaries, one of their top answers and their biggest issues. They prefer a candidate who simply makes the liberals angry. You know, this isn't this isn't a this isn't serious. Like it's not a serious party that's putting forward ideas. Look, 97% of all debt that was accumulated in our country's history predates Joe Biden. 25%. You know, what's what's amazing, Ben, is the Republicans, you know, the Republicans are so quick to forget that Democrats raised the debt ceiling three times during the Trump administration, three times. And there are things that are going on right now. For example, this war in Ukraine, COVID, we're still paying for that, even though my understanding is that there's still a 
approximately a trillion dollars, one trillion dollars that's missing from the COVID relief package. I mean, really? Are you trying to tell me that the Trump administration didn't set up some sort of a methodology in order to disperse money so that they know that the people who are receiving that money are actually entitled to it? Or they just turned around, anybody that went on the computer, type in a couple of letters, put in the name of your company, boom. Oh, there's another 50 grand for me. Fuck it. I mean, you know, $1 trillion unaccounted for. And that was the way they handled the PPP program. Look, some version of a PPP program was definitely needed at the time. The issue is it needs to be done competently. You can't just have a system where anybody, anybody just gets, you know, millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, especially if you have a, you know, a bank relationship, you are guaranteed to have it, you know, to get that money before other people. And then 25% of all of the debt was created by Donald Trump. And through the MAGA Republican policies, yet the Democrats raised the debt ceiling because the full faith and credit of the United States of America is a sacred thing. You know, one, it's a constitutional responsibility to make sure that America doesn't default its debt under the 14th Amendment. Um, but setting that aside, like they're just okay with destroying the country and then just saying, you know what? We own the libs. It's Biden's fault. Look, Biden did it. And I don't know if you saw this, Cohen. You saw the new one where they say that there's a super secret whistleblower who put out this super secret letter and no one knows what it says. But then the Republicans all go on TV and make up a lie that Joe Biden accepted foreign bribes when he was the vice president. And then they just spew it like it's the truth. And then yeah, the newscasters are like, find a nice picture. Hey, Salty, if you can, find a picture of Secret Squirrel, because that's who your super secret leaker is, all right, With who wrote this note, uh, just so our brigaders can know who I'm talking about. They're so stupid. They're so fucking stupid. They're so dangerous to our American way of life, to democracy. They are a small group. And I don't, I want to be clear about this, too. It is not the vast majority of Republicans. So too many of them are still voting party line. So that is stupid. But at the end of the day, you're not talking. Everyone's not a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, a Matt Gates, a Josh Hawley. You know, they're not. There are some very decent Republicans that are there. Why they are not standing up and holding. There you go. There's secret squirrel. That's the guy who is responsible. <laughs> Donald, find him. And when you find him, I think he's at Central Park somewhere, you know, uh, playing by a tree with a nut. But at the end of the I'm telling you, that's who Donald has to go find. And then everything will be set in stone for him and he'll be all good. But there are some very decent Republicans that are there. In you know, the problem is they're afraid. They're afraid to step out of line with, you know, with party in order to do the right thing. I mean, there are things that Marjorie Taylor Greene saying right now that are so, they're so fucking gross. They're so disgusting. And they're so, they're so inappropriate for a member of Congress to say that when I, when I watch her say these things and then there's no rebuke of her, and that there's no consequences, it goes right back to the magic word of the day. It goes back to accountability. There is no accountability for their stupid and their reckless behavior and antics. And that's what we need to help to put a stop with. 
you know, there has to be accountability to all of these folks. You cannot do and say the things that they're that they're saying, uh, you know, whether it's about Ukraine, whether now it's about Zelensky, you know, whether it's uh, you cannot just as a member of Congress shoot from the you know, shoot from the hip and, you know, just throw out whatever it is that you want to say, because that's what you believe or that is what your base wants you to say. It's just it's it's unacceptable and it's improper. How about this report from Media Matters, which says in the first year of Trump using Truth Social, Trump amplified QAnon promoting accounts nearly 500 times. And this article goes on to show post after post by Donald Trump amplifying QAnon, which is a death cult, which believes, and it's one of its central tenets, is that Donald Trump by force is going to seize control of the government, overthrow the Biden administration, uh, have public executions. That's what the storm is coming means and lead the country as a emperor king. That is what QAnon believes is uh, ultimately is is taking place. And so 500 times, like, could you imagine if Biden posted one QAnon meme? I would stop supporting him. For all of the great things I think Biden has done, he does one QAnon meme and it's not like he's hacked. I'd be like, I'm out. Why? Because you have to have some minimal threshold standard and Trump just pro is posting QAnon cult, not once, but 500 times. Yeah, that's and the, then those are basically the 500 people that subscribe to that shit platform. So, you know, look, all he'll, he'll repost anyone or anything that is positive or he deems positive. Do you know how many times that this dope got fooled by people um, early on where two of the people that uh, had did a tweet that they found that Donald found favorable. They were both mass murderers, and it was it. He was so angry about it. You know, look, I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. I really don't understand it. It's not going to work. Um, who knows why these Republicans are still behind him? Why they're why they're still actively financing this illegitimate? 2024 run, you know, what's going to happen if, in fact, he is found guilty of any of these crimes that he's right now being uh, confronted with? Let, let me just pull apart for one second the E. Jean Carroll case. Let me just use this as an example. So the E. Jean Carroll case is not criminal. I want our brigaders to know this. This is a civil harassment um, case, which is monetary. He will never accept responsibility, um, regardless of what a jury will come back with. This will be a monetary settlement, and he will ultimately get that money from you know these same maggots that are supporting him post the indictment. That's that's what he expects to do. But I want people to think about this for a brief second. Think about the charge that is levied against. Trump and I for fairness, because we want to be fair and political beatdown, he denies the allegation. Ben, neither you nor I were there. Uh, you know, in fact, I was just finished law school when this allegedly took place. But let's 
not discount what E. Jean Carroll and the multitude of witnesses that she's brought in, you know, um, and testified that she had told them around that time and uh, that they have certain information, others who claim that he did similar things. How could any woman, how could any man vote for a guy who does an act like this? One of the most heinous things that you could do to another human being to impose yourself physically and sexually onto another person against their will. One of the most heinous things that you could possibly do. How could anybody support somebody who would do something like this? Forget about the fact that we're supporting him or that they want him, that he wants their support for the presidency. I don't understand where Americans are. I don't understand how a single woman I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, independent. How could you possibly support a man who's being charged, not by one person, but by more than two dozen, more than two dozen women making these statements about his behavior? I don't understand. I just don't understand it. And I'm trying to every day. I'm trying to understand why people are willing to ignore what is right in front of our face. Don't have an answer. And so he doesn't show up at trial. He doesn't have to. It's a civil case, but he doesn't right. show up. He makes an excuse that he has something to do in Scotland and Ireland, which he didn't. Shovel he shit. just makes that up to shovel shit. And this is him in Ireland earlier in the day. Um, so technically, I think yesterday where he said he would be flying back um, because he wanted or was thinking about flying back because of the trial going on. That's why he's going to leave Ireland, which again, total BS. But here, watch what he said. So that I have to leave Ireland and I have to leave Scotland where I have great properties. I have to leave early. I don't have to, but I choose to. Will you attend the trial, Mr. President? I'll probably you, attend. And I think it's a attend. disgrace. It's a disgrace that it's allowed to happen. It's called false accusations against a rich guy in my case against a famous rich and political person that's leading the polls by 40 points and i have to go back for a woman that made a false accusation about me and i have a judge who's extremely hostile and i'm going to go back and i'm going to confront this one this woman is a disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed to happen in our country so you, you, you go cohen there's really nothing. There's nothing to say. He's full of shit. Um, and if he comes back, I highly doubt that he's going to attend, you know, the hearing. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense at this point for him to do it. His absence has already been noted. Personally, I hope that he does. Uh, I would like to see him make a complete asshole out of himself and do what tacky penis did over there and to attack E. Jean Carroll, the way that he did. Talk about stupid, right? I mean, he's probably the wrong guy to have representing you, right? When you're talking about a sexual assault, a rape civil case. I, I don't know why they chose him and the, the behavior that, that Takapina demonstrated was not being that it's noted by me and that, oh, Michael, you always just want to say, you know, mean things about Donald and his people. It's not true. I'm not the one that's saying it. 
I'm just repeating at this point what the press has already stated, which is that it was a vile display. It's a vile display against a woman who is making some pretty significant allegations. Now, he has the right to defend the case. Don't get me wrong. But there is a way to do it where you're not harassing and trying to intimidate. Look, Takapine is not a small guy. It's so eerily similar to when Hillary Clinton was at the podium and Donald, during the debates, moseyed behind her and started doing the old, you know, waddle behind her. And, you know, there's so many reports now about how he behaves, and they're all consistent with one another. They're not identical, but they are consistent. And that's what the jury is going to be looking for. And Takapina's assault on E. Jean Carroll is absolutely, first of all, it's disgusting. It's disgraceful. And it's actually stupid lawyering. You know, and Donald Trump's too cowardly to show up in court. He's not going to show up. And the language that he uses too, I have to leave to confront her, which he's just not going to do, because I think he knows that with the disinformation echo chambers out there, that'll be played on Newsmax or OAN or something. And they'll be like, oh, maybe he did show up or something. He's a tough guy. And and I have to leave here. It's like, no, you went somewhere you didn't have to go because you were supposed to be in trial. And now you're saying you're going to go somewhere that you're not that you're not going to be going to. And by the way, we talked about this before here on Political Beatdown. This is why they hate courts, because it's still a place where evidence and facts matter, facts supported by evidence. What they prefer to do is go on their right-wing echo chambers and just make up stuff and just have no evidence and just spread these defamatory lies. Look, Cohen, this is a montage of Republicans accusing Biden, this all happened in the past 24 hours, of serious crimes, but then admitting that they know nothing about this at all and they have no evidence to support anything that they're saying. Here, watch this montage. We're wondering exactly what this is all about. According to a, a press release that was sent out by James Comer's office, it says the information provided by a whistleblower raises concerns that then Vice President Biden allegedly engaged in a bribery scheme. Does this have to do with Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings in Ukraine or China, or is it something else? Well, I, I guess basically uh, we, we've got to wait to uh, see what, what the document exactly says. It's a very serious allegation against the then vice president. Uh, it is a very serious allegation. Uh, I wish I could say that I knew it was true or untrue. But this is, a, this is something new. Do you have any information on that? I do not. I don't have any information on what the whistleblowers has alleged in terms of the specific substantive allegations. Uh, it says specifically the release today that the vice president may have altered policy for money, a bribery scheme. He may have actually changed policy. Have you narrowed it down to what policies or can you at least tell me if you have what area? If you can't say specifically, what do you know about it, sir? Uh, Congressman Fallon. Well, Greg, that'll all come out, I think, and it'll come out very soon. The, the bottom line is, let's ask another question, very simple one. What business, what product or service did the Bidens ever provide? This seems more direct, at least in what's being said by Grassley and Comer. 
Well, this is, after all, if there's anything to it. In other words, we don't know very much. Um, and this is an early stage of this. Uh, it doesn't keep these politicians on the Hill from coming out and talking about it and for the White House to respond. But we need to be careful here because, you know, the air is full of charges, as it sometimes is, and we're entering the political season. So my advice is, let's be careful here. Will your colleagues make those underlying documents publicly available? We know the whistleblower will remain protected, but what about the allegations? Will the American people see them? Well, we'll have to see what's in them. You know, see whether they're credible allegations, whether or not they connect to other wrongdoing by the, by the Biden family. Um, and if they turn out to not be credible, sir, uh, Will your colleagues acknowledge that, you think? Only got a couple well, seconds left. Th that'll be up to them. <laughs> that'll be up to them? Right. You know, so let me go out there and let me spew more bullshit, more lies, you know, without any account. The word of the day, accountability. No accountability here. So all of a sudden, because some somebody calls up and says, hey, you know, um, Josh Holy. But by the way, I do have to say this. If you listen to all of their responses, the responses that they gave now is very different than the responses that they would have given, say, a year or so ago when they would turn around and they would adamantly declare that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, that they have done something wrong. Now, at least they're couching their words not great, but they're still couching it. You know, well, you know, we have to wait and see. And when, you know, then, you know, we'll then, you know, then we'll present the information. First of all, I don't understand why, as a member of Congress, simply because somebody wants to stick a camera in your face, that means that you have to go there and you have to say something. You know, if you have nothing to say because you have no facts, you have no information, all you have is rumor and conjecture. My recommendation for you would be shut the fuck up. Go have lunch. Go do something. Go pass some legislation. Go figure out how to deal with the debt ceiling. But fuck the fuck off already. It's enough. You know, anytime that you stick a camera in one of these assholes' faces, they're just so happy to be on. Hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to use this as another way to milk some more money out of my unsuspecting, moronic, maggot followers. It's so stupid already. I mean... We're we're becoming the laughing stock of the world because of these group of, you know, ridiculous Republicans. And speaking of ridiculous Republicans, a press conference, one that you just discussed, like, you know, you don't have to go there and say these ridiculous things. So Lindsey Graham was asked uh, to respond to the fact that Biden was sending troops to the borders and to compare that to Donald Trump. Just watch what Lindsey Graham said in response. On the administration sending troops to the border, we heard from Senator Bornan. I think it's ridiculous theater. It will not change the outcome. Did you feel the same about it being theater when um, Trump sent troops to the border in 2018? I feel that Donald Trump did the best job in my political lifetime. When Donald Trump did something, it worked. Everything he did, as Ted suggested, worked. <laughs> As Ted suggested, Cancun Ted. That's another one that needs to get the fuck out of town. I mean, it's, you know, one guy lies, the other guy nods his head. All right, that's it. You know what? We Now we know that it's true because Lindsey Graham said it and it was acknowledged by Lion Ted. I mean, well, I'm not the one who made up the name, right? Wasn't it Donald? So Lindsey Graham, right? Loser Lindsey, 
makes up the statement, and Lion Ted goes ahead and he corroborates it. There you have it, folks. You know, why are we even discussing this anymore? It's clearly has to be, it has to be factual. Cohen, we've covered a lot today. I want to give you the final word, kind of we'll end on a Cohen note. Tie it all together for us. Yeah, there's no way to tie this. It's all about accountability. You know, again, I intend to hold Trump accountable, specifically uh, on the lawsuit that I have uh, coming up, the trial in July. You know, it's his responsibility and he needs to make those payments. And now as far as this lawsuit, this $500 million lawsuit, I want to again thank each and every one of you who have, you know, um, helped and, you know, helped and donated at the GoFundMe uh, for it. It's going to be, it's, this case is going to be a million dollars. But at the end of the day, we will hold Donald accountable. And that's the most that anybody can expect from this case. I could not have found two better lawyers in Idania Perry and Ben, um, you know, uh, uh, and, and Ben, uh, what I could not have found better, you know. Um, so please, whatever you can do, it's appreciated. The most important thing, as I'm going to go right back to Joe, you have to vote blue. And we all have to continue to promote not just political beatdown, mea culpa, but Midas Touch as a network, including all of the various different programs, because what we try to do is we try to only speak factual. Now, does that mean we're going to get everything right 100% of the time? No. Um, you know, I had this conversation, as I said, with Danya and Ben Brodsky. You know, this is not, this is a real case. We need to hold him accountable. They need to start understanding that there are repercussions for their actions. And together, and I mean it, only together will we be able to do it. I can't do this alone. I can't do it with just Ben and the Micellus brothers. I can't do it with just political beatdown or mea culpa or, you know, with my books. I, I cannot. All of our, all of us together is what's needed. We need to be the brigade and we need to we need to embark upon Washington as a force, a force with millions and millions of, you know, of like minded people and vote these fuckers out. And that's my thought of the day. Beatdown Brigade. None of this is possible without you. We are so, so grateful for you. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. If you are a YouTube watcher, please subscribe wherever audio podcasts are available. Search Political Beatdown. Check out Michael Cohen's new book, Revenge, wherever books and audio books are sold in the description below on our YouTube channel. Uh, there is the uh, fund if you want to help support uh, the legal efforts of Michael Cohen. Check that out in the description on the YouTube site. Um, you can check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the official Mea Culpa podcast, Mara Lardo Correctional Facility shirt, store.midastouch.com. And you can also check us out at patreon.com slash touch. Thank you so much to all the brigaders. For those wondering where I am, I just took a red eye to uh, New York. And so apologies for some of these spotty Wi-Fi. We're working on that right now. Um, but we'll be running full speed again. Cohen, always love spending this time with you. And on the next political beatdown, you will have made your first filing, substantive filing in that Donald Trump $500 million lawsuit. I can't wait to talk 
talk about that filing then and much more. So thank you everybody for watching. Shout out to the Beatdown Brigade and shout out to the Midas Mighty. (laughs) 